chapter three of the silent battle by george gibbs recording by tony oliva this librivox recording is in the public domain voices dragging his lagging feet gallatin struggled on until his task was finished he took the saucepan and cup to the stream washed them carefully and filled them with water then he untied the handkerchief from around his neck and washed that too when he got back to the fire he found the girl lying on the couch her head pillowed on her arm her eyes gazing into the fire i've brought some water i thought you might like to wash your face he said thanks gratefully you're very thoughtful he mended the fire for the night and waiting until she had finished her impromptu toilet took the saucepan to the stream and rinsed it again then he cleared the remains of the fish away hung the creels together on the limb of a tree and without looking toward the shelter threw himself down beside the fire utterly exhausted good-night she said he turned his head toward her the firelight was dancing in her eyes which were as wide open as his own good-night he said pleasantly and pleasant dreams i don't seem to be a bit sleepy are you no not yet aren't you comfortable oh yes it isn't that i think i'm too tired to sleep he changed his position a little to ease his joints i believe i am too he smiled you'd better try though you've had a bad day i will good night good night but try as he might he could not sleep each particular muscle was clamoring in indignant protest at its unaccustomed usage the ground too he was forced to admit was not as soft as it might have been and he was sure from the way his hip bone ached that it was on the point of coming through his flesh he raised his body and removed a small flat stone which had been the cause of the discomfort as he did so he heard her voice again you're dreadfully unhappy i don't see why oh no i'm not this is fine please go to sleep i can't why didn't you make another bed for yourself i didn't think about it he said wondering now why the thought had never occurred to him you see he lied cautiously i'm used to this sort of thing i sleep this way very often i like it oh what an expressive interjection it was as she used it it ran a soft arpeggio up the scale of her voice and down again in curiosity rather than surprise in protest rather than acquiescence this time it was mildly skeptical it's true really i like it here now i insist that you go to sleep if you use that tone i suppose i must she closed her eyes settled one soft cheek against the palm of her hand good night she said again good night he repeated gallatin turned away from her so that she might not see his face and 
lay again at full length with his head pillowed on his arms looking into the fire his mental faculties were keenly alive more perhaps by reason of the silence and physical inaction than they had been at any time during the day never in his life before it seemed had he been so broadly awake his mind flitted with meddlesome agility from one thought to another and so before he had lain long he was aware that he was entirely at the mercy of his imagination one by one the pictures emerged the girl's flight the wild disorder of her appearance her slender figure lying helpless in the leaves the pathos of her streaming eyes and the diminutive proportions of her slender foot it was curious too how completely his own difficulties and discomforts had been forgotten in the mitigation of hers their situation he was forced to admit was not as satisfactory as his confident words of assurance had promised he had not forgotten that most of his back trail had been laid in water and it was not to be expected that joe keegon could perform the impossible their getting out by the way he had come must largely depend upon his own efforts in finding the spot upstream where he had come through the help that could be expected from her own people was also problematical she had come a long distance that was apparent from the condition of her gaiters for all gallatin knew her camp might be ten even fifteen miles away something more than a mild curiosity possessed him as to this camp and the people who were using it for there was a mystery in her sudden separation from the companion to whom she had so haltingly and vaguely alluded it was none of his business of course who this girl was or where she came from he was aware at this moment of vagrant visions of an unequivocal and not unpleasant interest in this hapless waif whom fortune with more humor than discretion had so unceremoniously thrust upon his mercies she was very good to look at he had decided that back at the gorge where she had first raised her elfin head from the leaves and yet now as he lay there in the dark he could not for the life of him guess even at the color of her eyes or hair her hair at first had seemed quite dark until a shaft of the declining light in the west had caught it when he had decided that it was golden her eyes had been too light to be brown and yet yes they had been quite too dark to be blue the past perfect tense seemed to be the only one which suited her for in spite of the evidences of her tangibility close at hand he still associated her with the wild things of the forest the timid things one often heard at night but seldom glimpsed by day cautiously he turned his head and looked into the shelter she lay as he had seen her last 
her eyes closed her breath scarcely stirring her slender body her knees were huddled under her skirt and she looked no larger than a child he remembered that when she had stood upright she had been almost as tall as he and this metamorphosis only added another to the number of his illusions with an effort at last he lowered his head and closed his eyes in angry determination what the devil had the troubles of this unfortunate female to do with him what difference did it make to him if her hair and eyes changed color or that she could become grown-up or childish at will wasn't one fool who lost himself in the woods enough in all conscience besides he had a right to get himself lost if he wanted to he was his own master and it didn't matter to any one but himself what became of him why couldn't the little idiot have stayed where she belonged a woman had no business in the woods anyway with his eyes closed it was easy to shut out sight but the voices of the night persisted an owl called and far off in the distance a solitary mournful loon took up the plaint there were sounds close at hand too stealthy footfalls of minute paws sniffs from the impertinent noses of smaller animals the downward fluttering of leaves and twigs all magnified a thousandfold pricked upon the velvety background of the vast silence he tried to relax his muscles and tipped his head back upon the ground as he did so his lids flew up like those of a doll laid upon its back the moon was climbing now so close to the tree-tops that the leaves and branches looked like painted scrolls upon its surface in the thicket shapes were moving they were only the tossing shadows from his fire he knew but they interested him and he watched them for a long time it pleased him to think of them as the shadows of lost travellers he could hear them whispering softly too in the intervals between the other sounds and in the distance farther even than the call of the whippoorwill he could hear them singing a la claire fontaine man allant promener j'ai trouvé l'eau si belle que je m'y suis baigné il y a longtemps que je t'aime jamais je ne t'oublierai the sound of the rapids too or was it only the tinkle of the stream he raised his head and peered around him to right and left as he did so a voice joined the lesser voices its suddenness breaking the stillness like the impact of a blow aren't you asleep she lay as he had seen her before with her cheek pillowed upon her hand but the firelight danced in her wide-open eyes no he said straightening slowly i don't seem to be sleepy neither am i did you hear them the voices yes in surprise did you you're not frightened at all are you not at the voices other things seem to bother me much more the little sounds close at hand i can understand too 
there was a four-legged thing out there where you threw the fish offal a while ago but you didn't see him i heard him but he won't bother us no i'm not frightened not at that at what then i don't i don't think i really know there's nothing to be frightened at it it's just that i'm frightened at nothing nothing at all a pause i wish you'd go to sleep i suppose i shall after a while how is your foot oh better i'm not conscious of it at all it isn't my foot that keeps me awake it's the hush of the stillness between the other sounds she whispered as though the silence might hear her you never get those distinctions sleeping in a tent i don't think i've ever really known the woods before or the meaning of silence the world is poised in space holding its breath on the brink of some awful abyss so i can't help holding mine too she sat upright and faced him you don't mind if i talk do you i suppose you'll think i'm very cowardly and foolish but i want to hear a human voice it makes things real somehow of course he laughed he took out his watch and held it toward the fire with a practical air besides it's only ten o'clock oh she sighed i thought it was almost morning he silently rose and kicked the fire into a blaze it's too bad you're so nervous that's it i'm glad you called it by a name i'm glad you looked at your watch and that you kicked the fire i had almost forgotten that there were such things as watches i seem to have been poised in space too waiting and listening for something i don't know what as though i had asked a great question which must in some way be answered gallatin glanced at her silently then slowly took out his pipe and tobacco let's talk he said quietly but instead of taking his old place beside the fire he sank at the foot of one of the young beech trees that formed a part of the structure of her shelter near the head of her balsam bed i know what you mean he said soothingly i felt it too the trouble is there's never any answer they like to tell us many things those people out there and he waved his hand they like to but they can't it's a pity isn't it the sounds are cheerful though they say they're voyagers singing as they shoot the rapids she watched his face narrowly not doubtfully as she had done earlier but eagerly as though seeking the other half of a thought which conformed to her own i'm glad you heard she said quickly i thought i must have dreamed which would have been strange since i hadn't been asleep it gives me a greater faith in myself i haven't been really frightened i hope only filled with wonder that such things could be they can't really you know he drawled some people never hear the voices i never did before the woods people hear them often it means he said with a smile that you and i are initiated into the immortal fellowship oh 
in a whisper almost of awe yes he reassured her gaily you belong to the clan of makwa the bear and kiwevin the north wind the trees are keeping watch nothing can harm you now her eyes lifted to his and a hesitating smile suddenly wreathed her lips you are very comforting she said in a doubtful tone which showed her far from comforted i really would try to believe you with a glance over her shoulder if it wasn't for the menace of the silence when the voices stop the menace yes i can't explain it's like a sudden hush of terror as though the pulse of nature had stopped beating was waiting on some immortal decision yes he assented quietly his gaze on the fire i know i felt that too did you i'm glad it makes me more satisfied she was sitting up on her bed of twigs now leaning toward him her eyes alight with a strange excitement her body leaning toward his own as she listened the firelight danced upon her hair and lit her face with a weird wild beauty she was very near him at that moment spiritually physically in a gush of pity he put his hand over hers and held it tightly in his own his voice reassuring her gently no harm can come to you here child don't you understand there are no voices but yours and mine see the woods are filled with moonlight it is as bright as day she had put one arm before her eyes as though by physical effort to obliterate the fancies that possessed her her hand was ice-cold and her fingers unconsciously groped in his seeking strength in his warm clasp with an effort she raised her head and looked more calmly into the shadows no there are no voices now she repeated i am foolish and then aware of his fingers still holding hers she withdrew her hand abruptly and straightened her slender figure i i'm all right i think he straightened slowly and his matter-of-fact tone reassured her i didn't know you were really frightened or i shouldn't have spoken so i'm sorry but you heard she persisted gallatin took up his pipe and put it in his mouth before he replied the wilderness is no place for nerves or imaginations it seems that you have the one and i the other there were no sounds what did i hear then the stream and the leaves overhead i'd rather prove it to you by daylight will the day never come oh yes i suppose so it usually does there was no smile on his lips and another note in his voice caused her to look at him keenly the bowl of his pipe had dropped and his gaze was fixed upon the fire it was a new and distinct impression that he made upon her now a not altogether pleasant one until a moment ago he had been merely a man in the woods a kindly person of intelligence with a talent for the building of balsam beds 
in the last few minutes he had developed an outline a quite too visible personality and instinctively she withdrew from the contact i think i can sleep now she said he understood his place was at the fireside and he took it without reluctance aware of a sense of self-reproach it had been her privilege to be a fool but not his he threw a careless glance at her over his shoulder if you're still timid i'll sit up and watch no you mustn't do that but by this time he had taken another coal for his pipe and sitting indian fashion was calmly puffing i'm going to anyway he said don't bother about me please without reply she stretched herself on the couch and disposed herself again to sleep this time she buried her head in her arms and lay immovable he knew that she was not asleep and that she was still listening for the menace of the silences but he knew too that if suffer she must he could not help her a moment ago he had been on the point of taking her in his arms and soothing her as he would have done a child they had been very close in spirit at that moment drawn together like two vessels alone in a calm waste of water it was the appeal of her helplessness to his strength his strength to her helplessness of course and yet for a long while gallatin watched the flames as they rose and fell and the column of smoke that drifted upward on the still night air and lost itself among the leaves overhead the voices he heard no more the fire crackled a vagrant breeze sighed a bird called somewhere but he realized that he was listening for another sound the girl had not moved since he had last spoken and now he heard the rhythmic breathing which told him that at last she was asleep he waited some moments more then softly arose took up his coat which he had thrown over a log and laid it gently over her shoulders then he crept back to his fire End of chapter three